Let's begin now. I'm back. A little bit of a weekend hiatus, but I'm back. and I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. At least I think. I don't know that to be 100% accurate, but I'm about 94% sure. That's really all you can give. Yeah. I mean, I think 90, 94% accuracy is uh That's pretty, pretty high clip. It's, you know? it's not as good as Harrison Butker. No. What a hog on that guy. Oof. He had that thing from 70. Yeah, he did. That yeah. was like probably halfway up the goalpost when it came through. Yeah. Just heard him on the uh, Chiefs Kingdom show there with Mitch Holtis uh, at the High V. So always good to hear that. Dusty like is Nick Price with you, James with you as well until nine o'clock. Um, always weird when there's a Thursday night football game because there's not really a whole lot to dive into it, even though we will. And uh, Nick, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the game was over after this. Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy was walking by, and Steve called out to him. And he got a different reaction. I called out to him because I, on my podcast, Cut To It, I just talked about guys that maybe have not um, showed up in a way or in a manner. And so the word that I've used uh, to describe him in the past was a jag, just a guy. When I saw him, he's playing well. I wanted to say to him face-to-face, like, hey, I know I said some things in the past I probably shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. That's what I wanted to say to him. His response, Mike Rob, was ninja. Ninja? Yes, I'm using the word ninja. That's I'm just using the word ninja. I don't mess with you. And it was a, it was a curse word. And so I was like, all right, and then he repeated it. So I'll say it again. I'm sorry that I said you were a jag, just a guy who's an average wide receiver that you use a first-round pick on that isn't doing anything. I hope today that you actually show up in a way that you haven't showed up in the last couple of years since they drafted you. So if you ever got a problem with Agent 89, I'm sorry for saying that you're an average wide receiver that they eventually will move on. And when teams call me and asking, should they trade for you, I will say no. Don't trade for Jerry Judy because he's mentally unable to handle constructive criticism from people who watch specifically can he be a wide receiver he could be a wide receiver he's a tier three go back into the studio i'm done now thank you game was over right there i'm done now jerry judy that night had three (laughs) for 14 yeah um you know i don't like to poke fun at people but when somebody like steve smith who is acclaimed and Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer yet. He, I probably should have done research on that. But if he's not, he will be. Steve Smith, one of the best receivers when I was growing up to watch, Asian 89, tries to go and clear the air with Jerry Judy. Maybe not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. Not, not necessarily maybe the right time to do it. But he did it pregame. Maybe he would have given him words of encouragement. And at that moment, Denver was out. Denver wasn't going to win that game because – their guys just weren't there. And I know that that's a little bit, and he called him a a, a jag, mm-hmm. just an average guy, mm-hmm. which in my line of business, there have been guys above me, some that work here. And there's been times where I've had topics or had an opinion or maybe an angle on something that where they've pulled me to the side and be like, hey, including our boss, and said, maybe you don't have the clout quite yet to talk about something like that. Right. Jerry Judy's a guy 
who's never really quite developed into what people thought he could be. Maybe it's team, maybe it's attitude, but Steve Smith tried to probably go, in my opinion, try to go over there, clear the air and be like, Hey, you're playing the biggest game of your season. Y'all don't win. It's probably over. And I'm going to try to clear the air with you. Cause I maybe said some things I shouldn't have said, but Hey, here's the deal. And then he just blew him off. And then you saw Judy in the background, walking back and forth, acting like a hothead, trying to be a distraction. And his focus wasn't on the game. That's the difference in this matchup that was that night. It was a very ugly, boring, anti-climatic game. But the Chiefs won. They're 5-1. and one. They sit at the top of the AFC. What did you think of that game? So, first off, Jerry, Judy, you haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. You haven't done anything that deserves for you to be talking to Steve Smith like that. But I digress on that. Uh, the game, you know, it was... It was another one of those kind of quote-unquote ugly wins that the Chiefs have had, which Mm -hmm. it seems like they've had a handful of those this year. And, you know, I've been – admittedly, I've been hard on this wide receiver group. I've been hard on this offense for not, you know, going out and doing what they do against the Bears every week. Hard is like criticism. Yes, of course, yeah. And, uh, yes, of course, not listening to too much AM radio or anything like that. That's not not what I'm talking about. But uh, I will say, though, that one thing kind of came clear to me, and I think that – you know, sometimes we get on the air, Dusty, it's less than 24 hours since the game was over, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're given our initial reaction to the game. And this gave me a little bit of a unique perspective because I got to sit back, watch that game. I went to the game with my dad on Thursday night. You know, we had a good time. Big margarita Mike. Mike. Margarita Mike. Uh, margarita Mike. Uh, oh, yeah, he had, he had some of those margaritas at the Bud Light tailgate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> okay, was feeling Mike. saucy. <laughs> right, uh, but, yeah, so Mike was out there. You know, we saucy had a good time. Or spicy? Uh, a little bit of both. I yeah, like that. a little sauce, a little I like, spice. I but, like that. No, but uh, we were, you know, we were able to watch the game. It was frustrating sure. to watch it. You know, it was a frustrating game just because you're watching the – It was boring. Yeah. Exactly. It was a letdown. You know, you're – you're hyping it up all week is, hey, you know, the Chiefs are going to win this game, but mm-hmm. at least, you know, we might be able to see them put on a show or like what we talked about last week, we might see, you know, a lot of Rasheed Rice or a, lo- a little bit more of Justin Ross or like mm-hmm. these things that we want to see. And instead we see like a tush push with the backup tight end out mm-hmm. of the special teams field goal unit and like just stupid things that, you know, I get it. They're kind of messing around. They're trying things, oh, yeah. putting it on tape, but Overall, I mean, it's just frustrating to watch. They moved the ball with ease on Thursday night. They mm. just couldn't crack it in, and they just settled for a bunch of field goals, which Margarita Mike, mm-hmm. he's got Harrison Butker on his fantasy team. Shout out. You know, probably one of them is matchup this week, but most people are not going to be too happy about stalling out in the red zone. But then I, you know, the weekend went on. I cooled off from the game. You know, the adrenaline's gone and all of that, and I mm. sat down and watched football yesterday. And I did realize, you know, there's been other teams that are in that top tier like the Chiefs are, and they've had some scares. Mm-hmm. And straight up, the Chiefs have not had a single scare besides the Lions game where they were missing two of their top three players mm-hmm. and had more drops than I've ever seen and all of that. Mm-hmm. All the things that we've already gone in about that Detroit game. But, you know, you go back through the schedule, like that Jets game, that was one that people were not happy about how close it was. Mm-hmm. They went up 17 to nothing at the beginning of that game, and, yeah, they let the Jets get back into it, but did the Jets have a chance to win that game? Not really. Same thing with the Broncos game. They were up 16 to nothing most of the game. They go up 19-8, to and it's over. You yeah. know, there, there was never a real threat. So while I do still believe that the wide receiver group needs to see people develop and emerge, and I think Rice just continues to show that, and I hope they continue to give him more snaps, mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, 
panic button's not even out on the desk. You know, I, the Chiefs are going out there, they're getting leads, and they're just sitting on leads. And they're getting cute in third and short and all that kind of stuff, but they're not – it's not as bad as I thought because I see some of these teams, you know, I see the Niners go out and lose to the Browns. I see the Eagles lose to the Jets, and the Chiefs haven't lost a game like that. Right. So, you know, perspective from a few days yeah. after the game, things are actually a lot better than they seem. I think the thing that you have to stay focused on, which we can go over numbers here in a little bit, but I think the thing you have to stay focused on with the Chiefs, at least so far in this season, is that stack your wins. Right. right. It's uh, let's call it a poker game, right? Everybody buys in for the same amount, right? Everybody starts season off 0 and 0, and what you do after that is up to you. You buy a hundred dollars in a poker chips. Win your first couple of hands. It doesn't have to be a monster pot. You know, there's always that guy that sits around and waits to kind of make a scene and get the pot really up going. And then all of a sudden, you know, you win a hand here, you win a hand there. You've guaranteed yourself you're going to play a little bit further into the night. Now, depending on what kind of player you are, right, you're either going to hang around and stay, you know, middle of the pack, or you're going to make a splash once you've got a little bit of cushion on your side. The Chiefs right now are five and one. They've tied for the best record because Detroit has the the tiebreaker, but they're in the NFC, so they're yeah, on another side, matter, right? right? AFC, you're the chip leader, right? It's early, for the most part, everybody's healthy. You get a Minahue back this week after the six game suspension, and I think, and we'll talk to Pete Sweeney here in about five minutes. I think, from the most part, you've now kind of developed, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm jumping out way too early, but at least from what I witnessed on Thursday night. Rasheed Rice is that guy. Four for, what was it, 77 or 72? Yeah, I mean, I, he's... He he seems like... He's the guy that four seems... Four for 72, averaged 18 yards a catch. Uh, Kelsey, obviously, nine of uh, for 124 and absolutely lit it up in the first half. But the things that you're finding out about this team is that... And we're, we're going to talk about this defense because you admit you were wrong. I might have been wrong calling it a top five defense. It might be a top it, three defense. Yeah. Or it might be the might best be defense number one, AFC. which... Who'd have thought, yeah, and who'd have thought that would happen with Patrick Mahomes? But to wrap up this opening take, you, you kind of hit it on the head. You went on the road to New York and played a top-tier defense, and you won that game, and you faced adversity, and you overcame it. Patrick Mahomes did the whole are you not entertained slide. Right. Right? You beat the Bears 42-10. to 10. You took care of business there, right? That's a bad team playing at your house. Beat them, win, move on. You played a divisional opponent, the Denver Broncos. You won 19 to eight the whole game. It was basically 16 to zero. It was really never close. I know they won by 11 and backdoor covered with that field goal and whatnot. But the thing is, is early on, especially the way the Chiefs' schedule has been padded, you win that Denver game. You go to five and one. You've got two more division games back to back. You get Chargers on a short week. We'll keep you updated tonight on the Chargers uh, Cowboys score. There was a big fight early in the game, mm-hmm. early in early in the warm up. Love me a preseason fight, always or not pre-game, pre-game fight, pre-game fight. And then you get Denver again in Denver. Take care of those two games right and get to seven and one. And then it starts. You're seven and one. You're playing for the top spot in in Germany. And then you get the bye week. And then you get Philadelphia. And you get to test your your strengths against another top tier NFC team. The other thing, too, is that this team's staying healthy. I know Bolton's been out. Mm-hmm. I know Kelsey's been out. I right. know Jones wasn't hurt, but he was out. O'Minahue's been suspended. Now you're getting your team together. We're past the beginning of the season, right? We're starting to get halfway to the destination of what the trip is, which is a Super Bowl in Vegas. Is it in Vegas? It's in Vegas, mm-hmm. right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's a Super Bowl that you're trying to get to. 
just keep stacking wins and getting better and better and better. And I know the text line's here, 913-586-7610. Welcome to you. Um, Dusty, hey, brother, can you ask Big Pete about Frank Clark? We'll get there. Um, good to see D-Dubs is back, Dirty Werewolf, whatever. 913-586-7610. We'll get to your text a little bit later on, but coming up next here on After Hours on a Monday reaction edition of After Hours is Pete Sweeney, our good friend. For James, Nick Price, Dusty Likens, you listen to 610 Sports Radio and After Hours. Kansas City Chiefs defense that it might be top three, not just top five. Yeah, I think it's uh, approaching that that way. I never in a million years would have come into this season and said to you that the Chiefs a quarter of the way through would be among the best defenses in the league, period. And that's the reality at this point. And it's a big week in that sense because the front has been really good uh, as it is without Charles Amenehue, and now he comes off suspension. Andy Reid said he's eager to see what he can do. It, it does sound like there, there's going to be a ramp-up for Amenehue, but mm-hmm. at this stage, he can take all the time he needs with the way that the defense has played. It, it's been incredible to, to watch, and right now, this is a defensive team. I'm not sure if we'll be saying that at the end, but right <laughs> now, it's hard to ignore that. Do you believe in the in-house competition that I've been using as a narrative all year and that I'm going to keep pounding till the season is over, that it is finally to the point where this defensive unit is so good and the offensive unit is, it's, it's got the history and it's, it's got the resume of obviously who's at quarterback, who's at tight end and who, you know, Andy Reid's genius that he is in drawing up plays. Do you believe there's that little bit of like, you know, yeah, we're on the same team. We all love each other. We're a brotherhood, but Hey, it's the defense that has this team at five and one, not the offense. Well, I, I think that always exists in any sport, right? You you want to be competitive with anyone you're kind of going up against. And, mm-hmm. yeah, rare for, rare for the offense to be like, hey, you know, we want to play better than you today. But I, I think for years the defense has had this attitude where it wanted to be one of the reasons that the Chiefs won games. And now they can say through five or six games here, you know, the Chicago Bears game aside, that had the defense not played as well as as it has, that you, you wouldn't have the record that you have at five and one. And I I just feel like there's a pride there, and there are even comments that sometimes come from Steve Spagnuolo. I remember the other day he said, uh, you know, we were actually able to finish a game for a change, talking about the Minnesota game where the mm-hmm. offense from the Vikings was on the field, and we actually were able to be the ones to shut it down. doesn't happen a lot uh, in Kansas City. It hasn't happened a lot uh, in recent years. And you're seeing those type of opportunities right now. And it's a, it's an odd thing, right? Because you're proud of it, but it's a good thing and a bad thing because that means, to an extent, the offense has not put up as many points as, as we expected. So uh, kind of a, a bittersweet thing going on right now in Kansas City, but so long as the defense keeps playing well, once the offense gets cooking, you're going to see them start to run out teams, I think. What's the best unit on that defense? Is it the secondary, the linebacking core, or the D-line? <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I think it has to be the front with Chris Jones and and football is all about the trenches and the pressure that they've been able to get on opposing quarterbacks. It just makes every other level easier. But you also have Steve Spagnuolo, who's unafraid to mix it up, mix and match with these blitz packages and blitzing from the second level, even blitzing from the third level. Um, you're seeing the the coverage ability uh, that the Chiefs have. I I know that the Broncos came in 
and were not really a, a good team per se. But their offense was pretty playing pretty well. I mean, it was playing better than it did last year. Uh, and you see that the weapons that they have, like it's it's not like they're without weapons. They have Cortland Sutton on that team, Jerry Judy, that madman, arguing with Steve Smith before that game. Uh, he's a pretty good player. He's right? just he's, another guy. Right, right. The, another a jag. <laughs> uh, Dolchich uh, was yeah. able to make his return. They're not without weapons. And Russell Wilson, I wouldn't say he was playing at that like Seahawk championship level, but he was playing above average. And the Chiefs held him to under a hundred yards passing. Uh, that's pretty incredible for the secondary. So uh, by the end of the game, if you notice, Dusty, Russ didn't even want to throw it at all. He was mm-hmm. using the scramble first, and the Chiefs' defense did that. And so every level is good, but if I'm if I'm forced to pick, I, I think it all starts with the front. Ominihue comes back. Obviously, the suspension is over. The D-line gets stronger. But when I look at this team and I, I, I look at the defensive unit, and this is the last question of the defensive unit, it's almost like, they can go into the game and just tell the offense, hey, we're not giving up more than 17. All you got to do is score 20. And to kind of load this up, it kind of makes everyone seem like, yeah, the offense is struggling, but it like, is it? Or is it just doing enough to get by because of your opponents? Yeah, it, it sometimes is the game, too. I, I think the offense looks a lot worse than it was last week because they were one of five in the red zone. There's some like unluckiness to that too, where it's just like it stalls and, and had, you know, had they convert two more of those, it's a, it's a complete blowout and not, you know, not that 11 point victory. So I I look at that and, and I, you know, you mentioned a Manihue and I I think the the great thing about it is, um, and this was a negative to really start the year. The chiefs didn't think he was going to get suspended for as many games as he did. Six ended up being a lot. Uh, But now what it's really going to feel like is like a mid season acquisition. Like you, you've seen people mention they want McCole Hardman or Frank Clark back, but this no. is going to really feel like a, a player that you acquired in the middle of the year, and he's under already under contract. You don't have to worry about the salary cap. It's like a midseason trade, and it's only going to make that that defense better. They really like this guy, and all set to make the the Chiefs debut uh, coming up this Sunday. So Rasheed Rice, he's the guy, right? He's the he's the guy to go with Travis Kelsey, and seems that the trust has been building week in and week out, and it looks like. Moving forward, as the season starts to ramp up, looks like he's target number two on offense. Am I wrong or am I high thinking that? Yeah, he's got a 100-yard game coming up, I, I assume, at some point here. Uh, obviously, never want to see injuries, but it sounds like Justin Watson may be held out. And I, I think there are these scenarios um, in receiver rooms, in any room, really, in the NFL, where sometimes the coaches, they they have a lot of respect for their veterans that have been around a while. And so... There is a stubbornness that sometimes goes along with having to feel like, okay, let's lean into the guys who have been here before. With the Watson injury, again, obviously don't want to see injuries at all, but it kind of takes the, the snaps out of Andy Reid's hands, and it allows him to, I think, play Rasheed Wright uh, for even more snaps. And it's gotten to a point where I think you've got to throw – you got to throw all the extra stuff out the window. You know, Sky Moore was has been here for two, for for two seasons. He was a second rounder. Marquez Valdez Scantling is making a lot of money. Very clearly, Rasheed Rice is the most reliable receiver on this roster, and I think we need to get to a point where by the end of the game, you're seeing him get the most snaps of any wide receiver because that just makes the most sense. And I think the Chiefs are trending in that direction slowly, but when you get all of Watson's snaps presumably freed up for the next few games i think it makes it easy to make sure that Rasheed rice is on the field more than he's not so it's been it's been fun playing lesser competition in the first six weeks obviously chargers is the big game next week they play tonight against dallas obviously we'll keep an eye on that 
and I'm sure everybody at Arrowhead Pride and your wonderful staff is going to be watching that game, getting ready for Sunday at 325. But, man, it seems like you get the Chargers, and then you get the Broncos, and then it's, you know, nut up or shut up when it comes after that because you get Miami, bye week, Philadelphia, and then you know what's on the backside of that schedule. The Chargers again, Cincinnati, Buffalo. Are you? Is there any concern over at Arrowhead Pride of, like, where this team's at six weeks into the season and getting ready to go against this, the Los Angeles Chargers, probably your biggest competition in the AFC West? Yeah, and you, you also get the Raiders, who, like, you know, again, no, not, not like they're, Come on now. They're, they're not like the uh, AFC contenders, but, you know, they're, they've been competitive here, so I don't know, that, that interests me as well. I, I, I just think you know what, what's ahead here, right? Like you get the Broncos one more time and then it really is put up or shut up time. And that's, those are going to be really tough uh, with the, all the teams that you just mentioned it. I mean, it's all playoff teams, you know, in a sense. Uh, and, and of course the, the chargers, you get sprinkled in there. So uh, it, it is, uh, it's over, right? The, 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 the not being able to play, you know, a quarter here and there well, or maybe, you know, the offense kind of sleep through sleepwalking through a half. You, you're not going to be able to do it feel like you can win against some of these teams that are going to be vying for a Super Bowl championship. So it is a, a schedule that starts with a, a travel across overseas where you play one of the most explosive, explosive offenses we've seen in a long time. Uh, we'll see how the defense responds to that. I mean, we've been complimenting the defense uh, left and right here, and, and deservedly so, but what are they going to do against Miami? I think that's always the question. A lot of the AFC teams have that question when they – see the Dolphins coming up on the schedule. But it's exciting, right? Because you get the bye week then, and you rest up, and then you really enter a gauntlet of teams, and you're going to really know who the Chiefs are once that playoff time rolls around, I think, this year. I like to use the term gauntlet because I thought two weeks ago the injuries were immaculate in the NFL, and then this week happened, and everybody loses somebody. And I started thinking to myself, is Miami the number one contender in the AFC behind the Chiefs? I mean – Buffalo struggled against a New York Giants team that's not good, right, with a backup quarterback who might actually be better than their starting quarterback who they paid, sorry. But is Miami the team? Like, is that the team that that should be on the radar for the Chiefs? Because I know they sit at the top, right? They have the best record in football. Obviously, they lose a tiebreaker to the Lions. But in the AFC, they're number one. They control their destiny already. It's got to be Miami, right? That's the team that scares you the most? It's Miami, and then uh, another team that I think is, is interesting to me is Cincinnati. Okay. I, I just I'm starting to feel like Joe Burrow is is feeling better, and so you know, to me, I'm I'm also looking at the Bengals. But if I, I guess if you had to pick one, who I would think would would find a way to potentially make the AFC title game, the Arrowhead Invitational, as we've been calling it, <laughs> I I tend to think Miami's the team, and. Uh, it, the cool thing is we're going to get to see these two teams go at it. I know there's a lot of people that wishes this game was at Arrowhead Stadium, and you know, I don't I don't necessarily blame um, anybody. This is going to be a great game, and it should be maybe the number one international game of all time since they started doing this because you're going to have both of these teams presumably potentially with one loss apiece, and you might be walking out of Germany with whoever wins is, is first alone in the conference. It's, pretty big deal and to have that game in the middle of the season and it'll be it'll be interesting and, and it very much could be as you're describing the AFC championship game preview keeping it with the AFC before we get you out of here is Buffalo stale like Buffalo reminds me of and we're both we get into the WWE and, and NXT and AEW yeah. like when when a guy's hot and and they're going it's nice and then they just kind of 
don't go beyond that. They kind of they kind of fall flat or they go stale. Is Buffalo stale? Because it seems like it's it's Stephon Diggs and then there's nobody else. Yeah, I I don't know if they, if, you know, the the term that you always hear is they miss their window, and I think it's thrown out around a little loosely because the team is only missing their window until they're all of a sudden and find themselves in the AFC Championship game. I, I think Buffalo is still there. What's different about this year? I think for a few years there, uh, even before Cincinnati emerged, there was really just Kansas City and Buffalo, and they mm-hmm. had this great rivalry and it was without really anyone trying to spoil the party. Now, you know, you wake up from your, your coma. Let's say someone had a coma for five years, and they're wondering why, where, what happened in the AFC. It's just there's so many other teams involved. Like, we talked about Miami. They're interesting. I thought Jacksonville probably had a bad start to the year. Trevor Lawrence, to me, is interesting. Tomlin always has the Steelers cooking. I think the Baltimore Ravens are a team that's spicy. The Cleveland Browns look, and again, no offense to the Chiefs right now, because they're right there, but mm-hmm. they look to have maybe the best defense uh, in the NFL. And then you have these other teams that are, are, cr- are scratching and crawling. We see the comparisons that Justin Herbert gets to Patrick Mahomes. If the Colts can kind of get through at 500 and suddenly Anthony Richardson is there, C.J. Stroud looks good for the Texans. You don't even have the Bengals in a playoff situation right now. There's just so many teams in the AFC. And they had a period of years where, again, it was just them chasing the Chiefs seemingly alone. And I just think that luxury is so over. And that's the difference right now. So, yeah, I mean, they've been around for a while. I I don't know if they're stale, but they have a lot more company now. What are you doing for the game tonight? Are you going to drink a little red wine? Are you going to have a little conundrum? Are you going to have a little Pinot Noir? Are you going to do a little cab? Are you just going? You know, uh, I'm not as classy as you with the Merlot and Damn the right. patio, right? Uh, but I, I think me and the, the, the best gal, I think we're going to walk up to to neighborhood establishment, maybe uh, get some food and, and watch the game. The first half, at least, out out tonight. I love maybe that. Maybe out on a Monday. Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, what's coming up this week other than the greatest show on Wednesday night for an hour long at 6 o'clock, Airhead Pride Radio, outside of that, what's Pete Sweeney doing over there at the, at the number one chief source on the net? Yeah, outside of Wednesday night, the greatest show that they have going on 610 Sports Radio, Airhead Pride right. Radio, with myself and Dusty Likens. We have a, a week of coverage here. Second division game of the year. Uh, I know I mentioned the Raiders, but this is very much right. Like we, are, we all think this is a two-team race, and so these games are important against the Chargers, and it, it's going to be fascinating to see what the Chargers do tonight, um, I'm, I feel fortunate for Kansas City that the Chiefs are, are getting gifted like four or five days of extra rest. I feel like we're the ones always complaining about that, but the, the Chiefs have quite an advantage when it comes to preparation and rest. Uh, again, the Chargers haven't even played yet. So we'll be covering that game uh, at arrowheadpride.com. You can go there and, and get whatever you need. We'll also have some podcasts going up, as we usually do. I'll join Bob on, on Tuesday, Dot on Wednesday. We mentioned AP Radio, and I'll close the week uh, with the boys here on, on Friday of Cody and Gold. So should be a good week of coverage, and uh, we always like these Chiefs-Chargers games, especially now that Justin Herbert is around. It's really improved the, the Chargers stock, I think. Well, hey, enjoy uh, dinner with the best gal, and uh, stay spicy, my friend. All right. Take care. Back here on After Hours. Thanks to Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. G. Bennett over there uh, for his time, as always, on Monday nights. We get the Pete's initial reactions. He'll be back Wednesday with me as we do an hour of radio on Wednesday night, but it is Arrowhead Pride radio, so it's a little bit different. Uh, from the 620, Pete Loaf is going to wear plaid and think about charcuterie. <laughs> LOL. That's what they put on there. And then somebody just put Vino. Sheesh. Yeah. Werewolf, don't disrespect Danny Dimes. 
I mean, I'll respect Danny Dimes when he plays respectful football. That guy sucks. And he looks like Andy Kaufman. Um, but one thing I talked to Pete about is I think that this might be a uh, I think this might be a top three defense. Maybe not a uh, maybe not a top five defense. I think it's a top three defense. And one of the questions we got earlier tonight was what's the situation like with Frank Clark? Andy Reid, who spoke to the media today, uh, in 17 seconds, gives you this little bit of information. Now, like I mentioned before, we love Frank uh, right now. Um, you know, we're just talking through some things there. And, you know, there are a few things you, you have to, you know, you have to look at when, when you do that. So, um, but that's kind of where we're at. We haven't done anything to this point. So there you go. Um, I've tried to emphasize in the past that once a door closes in Kansas City to a former player, it normally is not necessarily welcomed in or opened up again. It's just, it just doesn't happen. They've, they've decided to go a different route because of that. Um, I think if I had an opinion on Frank Clark, maybe assign him to the cheapest possible deal you can, if he really does want to come here and you're like, Hey Frank, um, we're not going to play until week 15. Uh, we'll ramp you up into week 17. Then you, when you play Cincinnati and you, and you, and you get that game ready and then the playoffs start, then we'll, we'll have you. But I don't, I don't see a reunion coming. This is just my opinion. Um, this defense is not something you need to really add to, right? Ominahue comes back this week against the Chargers. By the way, it is 7-7 on Monday Night Football with 5.53 left in the first quarter. Chargers went down, scored. Dallas went down, scored. Um, now the Chargers have the ball, and it looks as if we might be um, in line for a shootout. But the defense isn't really the concern. And normally throughout the season, the Chiefs are a team that once they have their squad, it is their squad. That team is moving forward. I know in the past they've gotten Terrell Suggs. They've gotten Le'Veon Bell. They've added a LaShawn McCoy. You know, they've done Darius this. Tony. Right. They've done this before where they'll, but it, it was at a position of need. I don't know if they necessarily need a guy like Frank Clark. Plus, I don't know how much Frank Clark would play. You know, five to ten snaps maybe a Probably. game. Right. It'd be a minimal kind of deal. Yeah. Put him in on like third and what third and five or longer where you can pin the ears back and just go after the quarterback. But, but Nick price, this defense, man, um, you know, the narrative that I'm going to use the entire season is the in-house competition. You know, it's, it's one of those things, man. Like, it's just like when one side is, is doing its job better than maybe the other, the other side will try to out, shine that side and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's actually never a bad thing it's it works in so many different things and aspects of life and in with this team and this offense that's always kind of been you know last year number one offense they lost Tyree Kill what are they gonna do they were the number one offense in the league this year weirdly enough they're a top 10 offense but their defense is moving up the ranks of a just dominant group and eventually a lot of people are asking when is this offense going to really start hitting a stride? Well, you go back to the the narrative of in-house competition, and if they're tired of hearing defense, 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 I don't know if they listen to any of my programming on After Hours, I'm always pumping the defense. I pump the defense in St. Joe. I've done it every single week, and now I'm going to go out on a level, on a limb, and I'm going to say that they're a top three defense in the NFL. I truly do believe that because on every single level, they're great. 
Their D-line is good. Their middle, their linebacking core is great. Their secondary is great. They're fast, athletic, young, tenacious, fierce, and they just get the job done every single week. And they're deep, too. So, I mean, that's another thing that kind of goes into the Frank Clark conversation is, do you need him? No, is the answer. No, you don't need him. I think that, if anything, it's more of, like you mentioned, Terrell Suggs. I think it would be more of something like that. You bring in a guy who's had a lot of success, you know, maybe we're counting on one hand how many, like, big-time plays he makes throughout the rest of the season after he joins the team, but he's a good locker room guy. He adds a little extra juice, you know, just, like, good leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you'd be getting with Frank Clark, and if they can get him for that veteran minimum of three-quarters of a million dollars or whatever, do it. Like, I'm down with it. But as far as this defense goes, I mean, you're right, Dusty. They are a top-three defense right now. And I think that – with that depth and what they've been able to show and missing key pieces too. I mean, you know, obviously they lost that lions game, but they played without Chris Jones. They played without Charles and this entire season so far. So we don't even know what this defense looks like with another power speed pass rusher off the edge. And then you miss Nick Bolton for some games you miss, you know, you can go on and on. Sneed's been banged up, but mm-hmm. like this team has been able to show that that next man up, actually is a pretty talented next man up. You know, they've got a lot of depth on this defense, and I think that's what makes the difference between some defenses that we've seen in the past from the Chiefs where, yeah, they have a good starting unit. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they have one or two holes, but, like, overall it's a pretty good unit. But then, you know, Chris Jones misses a game or, you know, going back like Justin Houston misses a game, Eric Berry misses time, DJ misses time, stuff like that just kind of crumbles your defense where now – when one or two or even three guys are banged up and maybe they're not feeling their best or you're missing one or two of them for a game, it's okay because you've got so many guys behind them that are coming up and making productive plays. I mean, I never would have thought that I'd be sitting here after week six and talking about, like, Mike Dana in the pass rush. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's always been, like, a decent little supplemental piece, but he's actually out there making plays. And that's that's my whole thing about this defense is, like, they continue to show me that they can – attack you in a lot of different ways. They can be effective in all of those different ways. And they've got a lot of guys on their team that just seem to play well as a unit. And you could tell, you know, you could tell like when Nick Bolton gets that interception and like Mm -hmm. the celebration that comes afterwards. I mean, I know it's football. We we all do this, but it it seems like a pretty tight knit group. And like you said, I mean, I think the defense in this town has just been trashed for years, even, you know, even years where they win the Super Bowl. Right. That's been the weakness of the team. And now you're starting to see it on the flip side where the defense is the strength of this team. I've been saying it all year, basically. This is a defensive team. As of right now, they are. They give up the sixth most uh, total yards. They give up the sixth most passing yards, 12th in rushing yards allowed, second in points allowed, which is where a lot of people judge the defense on itself. They're giving up 14.7 points a game, which could be lower if you take away nine points. The other thing is, is they are uh, their ninth and third down conversions against them. So second in points allowed with 14.7. I know they've played the Bears, the Broncos, the Jets, yada, yada, yada. But they've also played the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So top three defense, no longer a top five defense. When we come back, we do what we do every time at the end of the seven o'clock hour. We do the best of the rest and the AFC West here on After Hours with Nick Price and Dusty Likens.
And we're back after hours tonight, all the way until 9 o'clock, and then it's time to go home and then come right back and do it again tomorrow night, 6 to 9 tomorrow. We do the local Tuesdays. We'll get somebody uh, in the local media to join us tomorrow night, so stay tuned. I've got an idea who I want. We'll see if they're able to do it. Um, it's weird. Sometimes I use people that then all of a sudden find themselves on the shows during the day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, hey, where was this guy before? Someone from the 913 makes a good point. If you bring back Frank Clark, who loses their spot on the roster? So this is interesting. I know a lot of people probably like to have Frank Clark here. I mean, he was great. Won two Super Bowls. He's third all-time in playoff sacks, um, which is insane. But he's always been in the playoffs, so it's not really that insane. But I was just telling Nick during the break, you know, Frank Clark's one of those guys that that nobody's really going to go get, right? Like, he's not a hot commodity. That's not a shot at Frank Clark. But Frank Clark's one of those guys that, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to be there in two weeks. He's going to be there in three weeks. So unless you have some sort of catastrophic injury or something's not, you know, going right, but when you're, you know, second in the league in points allowed, you don't really need to go fix anything on the defensive side. So, yes, it'd be nice to have Frank Clark on the team for the audio bits and for the, you know, the the late game sacks in the playoffs. But, again, if he's there and you want to bulk up your roster or somebody gets hurt late in the season, I'm assuming Frank Clark will still be there. But, um It's not a necessity right now for the defense. No, I'm also thinking, you know, when that time comes, you know, it might be in reaction to Mm -hmm. an injury or an IR designation or something like that that happens. Or to answer your question, 913, they'll make room. You know, like somebody who's not getting playing time will get put on the IR for whatever, and then they'll bring in Frank. They'll figure it out. But I don't think he comes back. That's just my – And I also don't think that, like – if you're sitting there wondering, like, is Justin Ross going to get cut so that they can bring in Frank Clark? No, no. Absolutely not. You need as many offensive weapons as you need. But as we do every week, we look at the rest of the West. Um, Chiefs 5-1, and one, next best team, 2-2 two and two, the Chargers. They just haven't played a full uh, six weeks yet. They're playing right now. It is 7-7 seven, seven in this game against Dallas. Um, started off pretty hot. Both teams kind of stalled out. But uh, the Chargers two and two, Raiders three and three, Broncos dead last, uh, one and five. And I mm. thought it was funny. Um, I don't think it's funny. I just think it's you know I wish people would trust me more often than not. I said that the Raiders would be would be better than the Broncos this year. Um, I like where that's at. I know Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the foreseeable future with a back injury. Right. Uh, they said they're going to monitor that today. So the Raiders uh, hurting, um, but they've only scored twenty points once. And the only reason they did that was because Max Crosby got a safety at the end of the game on Mac Jones to uh, not only backdoor cover uh, Raiders betters. Um, I know our boss was very upset about that uh, safety in the end zone, but it was 17. I believe it was what 17 to 19. They got the safety, made it 21 to 17. They beat New England Patriots. They barely beat the Patriots, right? I get it. Patriots um, are bad. They're real bad. They're real, real bad. In fact, they are uh, the worst team in uh, – well, I guess they're – yeah, they are. They're the worst team in the, NFC, in the AFC East. They're 1-5. in five. They're essentially the Broncos of the East. Right. Uh, they have a terrible quarterback. Uh, the game is slowly passing their coach by. I don't know if that's Maybe. 100% accurate. Maybe. But I don't know. Mac Jones sucks. That's true. Um, but you look at the AFC West, there's really not any competition towards you that you're in fear of. You have a three-game – we have a two-game lead on the Raiders. You have a four-game lead on the Broncos and the – tiebreaker over that so they're not of any concern to anybody plus you can bury them uh in the backyard in two weeks when you play them again in denver um the chargers are the team to look after that's the only one that's the one that it always seems to be that way i know keenan allen's cooking this year i know that justin herbert's always going to be one of those guys that you have to think about because of his talent and his ceiling which 
We haven't seen the full capability of Justin Herbert yet. But when you look at the AFC West, man, um, you win this week against the Chargers. You win next week against the Broncos. I know the Raiders are tenacious. I know they can fight. They've got a, they've got a good defense. Um, I mean, not a good defense, but they've got a decent defense, but they don't really have an offense. They've got Devontae Adams. You know, other than that, I'm not really worried about the Raiders. I'm not worried about the Broncos at all. And then you look at the Chargers sitting there at 2-2. Two and two. They lose tonight. They're 2-3. and three. Raiders move again above them. And uh, you then have a two-game lead with the next closest team in your division. Yeah. Uh, this game tonight really decides a lot about how the AFC West is going to look moving forward. Because yeah. if the Chargers lose tonight, they're sitting at 2-3. and three. Then if you beat them, you're, what, three games up, four games up already, yeah. plus a tiebreaker. So, you know, pretty much over at that point. Now, if the Chargers pull this one out tonight, they go to 3-2, and two, and they somehow beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead on Sunday. Then you're looking at a five and two versus four and two. You're half game back, and they've got a tiebreaker over you. You still got to play again, obviously, later in the year. But then things get a little bit spicy yep. in the AFC West, and and you know overall, I don't think it's cause for concern for Chiefs fans. But the schedule does not get easier for the Chiefs. No, it does not. In so fact, it it goes uh, Chargers, Broncos. Then you go to Germany, you get a bye, you get Philadelphia, and then in the back half of that, you get the Raiders twice, you get the Bills, you get the Bengals. Green Bay, um, New England. Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking Buffalo. at – And the Texas comes yeah. in for the 913, KC have division by Thanksgiving. They may have it by Halloween. Right. Like, that's a real possibility. Yeah, if the Chargers lose tonight and the Chiefs win, I mean, it would take a catastrophic meltdown. Sure. To lose the division. And then we move on to the rest of uh, the best, which I think the number one contender, I talked about it with Pete right er, earlier tonight, the Dolphins, right? They have mm -hmm. one loss. It was in Buffalo. They got absolutely housed. They just, they didn't, I don't know if they didn't show up or if they weren't, you know, prepared well enough, but they got beat pretty bad. I think it was like 42. I think to they 20. were tired from hanging 70 on the Broncos right. too. And yeah. maybe they were, you know, a little too egotistical. And if anybody can recognize being a little too much of a little bit of an ego, it's me. I can tell you that there's times where of I, course, you, know, yeah. I, you know, I feel myself maybe more than I should. Um, but the dolphins, the bills five and one, four and two jets, new England, not really worried about them. Ravens sit atop of the AFC North, four and two. They look like they can be a little scary. They look like kind that, of that kind of spicy right. team. But for they look to they, me, they look a lot of the same the of the with, same thing we've seen from them. The thing with the Ravens is everything has to go right for right. me to think that it has to be a win for them. Like if one thing is off, like if two weeks ago Lamar Jackson had a ton of drops and they couldn't get over that, and we've seen that with the Chiefs, but there's times where the Chiefs things aren't going right, but they still pull it out. I think the Bengals look good. They're three. They th they had a they had a crappy game this week, you know, yeah. just offensively in the second half. But right. they're starting to get healthy. They're three and three. Burrow looks like he's getting back. That seems like the team. Like let's not forget about him. I know I was wrong a little bit earlier uh, this season where I thought maybe they might be, you know, kind of you know really screwed. Um, but uh, you know, there if Burrow can get healthy and Jamar Chase and T Higgins can be on the field at the same time and Joe Mix can be the veteran running back in that backfield. They're going to be there, and New Year's Eve is going to be one hell of a game at 325. Um, but you look at the AFC South, right? Jacksonville's 4-2. and two. Colts and Texans are 3-3. Three and three. Nobody of a real threat there. Obviously, you shut down Jacksonville. I think they won that game 17-9. to nine. Yeah. Didn't really have any issue with Trevor Lawrence, who also is day-to-day -day with an injury. So right now, everybody else is either losing or or they're getting hurt and the chiefs are staying healthy and they're continuing to win. So ugly or not 
pleased or unpleased with the performance that you see at the end of the day, at this point in the season, because we all know the season doesn't start until December at this point in the season, just keep winning. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what it looks like. Just win the game because as cliche as it is, and I hate cliches, any given Sunday, anybody can lose, but I can promise you, and I tweeted this, the Chiefs don't lose to the Browns. The Chiefs don't lose to the Jets. Two teams that were undefeated lost to those teams. I'm not saying that one team is more superior than the other as the Chiefs are more superior than the Niners or the Eagles, but here's the thing. Everybody asks who's the receiver going to be for the Chiefs this year, and we've really not seen one yet until like maybe the last two weeks where she Rice has showed up. San Francisco lost two key players, and Brock Purdy was just exactly who everybody's been waiting for Brock Purdy to be. They right. wanted the clock to strike midnight. McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are both dynamic players, and losing both those guys is almost the equivalent of playing against Detroit and not having Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Totally. But Jalen Hurts played that same Jets team that the Kansas City Chiefs played, and he threw one touchdown and three interceptions. Mahomes threw two interceptions. They, would, they were game. actually a depleted Jets team, too. Right. And they still lost that game. So, Again, you look at the rest of the West and you look at the best of the rest. You're at top of your division. It's not close right now. There's a big game going on for the Chargers tonight. They lose this game. Guess what? They're on a short week. Mm -hmm. They go right back to the drawing board on Tuesday and they got to go to Kansas City on Friday. And guess what the Chiefs have done? Nothing but rest. So for all of you that are wanting to know where Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are, I don't know where she is. But I know that he and his brother Jason at the Philadelphia Phillies game tonight uh, watching that game, Taylor Swift, not there for those of you that are interested. It's Nick Price, Dusty Likens, James with us as well. Come back. It's Charger Week for the Kansas City Chiefs. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio.